0: Hello and welcome. You've reached the Activate podcast. My name is Pastor Jill Pelkey, and I have a series here of messages that were preached uh, for my church here at Kirkland Life in Clinton, New York. And this is recorded for our uh, Wednesday night service. So uh, enjoy. I pray that, that God really blesses you and touches you through these messages. The title of my message tonight is called We Love. We love, and we're going to be looking at a verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. And the verse is simple. It says, we love because he first loved us. We're going to focus in on the part we love. And to start us off with this, uh, for an example of this, it fits in so well. I want to tell you, remind you, maybe for the first time, tell you the wonderful story of St. Patrick. St. Patrick was not born a saint neither were any of of us right <laughs> neither were any of our kids apparently none of them born saints saint patrick was born not in ireland but in great britain and at the, it says that he grew up regular he wasn't a christian he wasn't a follower of jesus he grew up um, in today's uh, status we would probably say he was an atheist which means he didn't believe in a god at all and at the age of 16 raiders came into his village and stole him away and took him on a boat across the sea to Ireland. Can you imagine being Patrick's mom, your 16-year-old kid? I have a 16-year-old. Imagine Luke being a Raiders coming into Clinton, coming by Hamilton Place and stealing Luke and taking him off to, to a life of slavery. Can you imagine what it was like for Patrick, uh, who actually had a different name before he was given the name Patrick? Uh, was taken out could you imagine he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's taken on a boat. He doesn't know where the boat is going and he's sold into slavery. He serves his master, his slave owner for a number of years before he escapes. He escapes, gets back on a boat and through a lot of peril and almost near starvation unto death. I've been hungry before, but I haven't been starving unto death. Patrick was starving unto death, finally makes it home. Could you imagine his mom? She thought her son was gone forever. (laughs) What? You're here? There was no text message saying, hey, guess what? I got out. I'm coming back. There was no newspaper announcing that he was coming. One day he shows back up, freed from these uh, bonds of slavery. While he was in slavery, he heard about Jesus. He heard about a risen Savior, and it changed everything inside of him. And so he goes uh, to live in a monastery, becomes a bishop in the church, and one night he has a dream, and the Lord begins to speak to him to go back to Ireland, to go back to the people that enslaved him, literally back to his slave owner and the people in the surrounding area and tell them about the great news of Jesus. What? anywhere but there and so Patrick goes back and could you imagine the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was on this man's life to get back on a boat like the you know much like the boat he traveled on the first time to get back on a boat to go back to the very place of his imprisonment to go back to the very place of his anguish and his fear and his pain and to talk about Jesus the accounts of things that happened when Patrick ministered were uh, people being raised from the dead Because of his obedience to the call of God on his life to love people who didn't love him. Who, in fact, did the extreme opposite of loving him to the point of slavery. And so Patrick goes back, he's raising people from the dead. People are coming to know Jesus like never before. And the legend says he drove snakes out of Ireland, but really that was the pagan superstitions and things that he drove out of Ireland. And he, much like Jesus, used simple things around him to teach the people about who God was. And the most famous one we know is the the clover. And he bent down, took a clover, and he said this plant reminds us of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it reminds me of Jesus when he's like, look at the birds. They don't toil or, or uh, work away. I provide for them. How much more am I going to provide for you? So Patrick took a, a, a cue from Jesus, the great storyteller, and the one who brought everything right down to the level of the people that were there. Jesus wasn't speaking over people's heads. He wasn't using theological terms or super Christian words. <laughs> He was talking to his people, and Patrick used that same model and, uh, and really used the, the, uh, the shamrock to show that. And so in Ireland, people would take shamrocks, if they were Christians, and put them on their clothes as a little pin to signify that they were Christians. How cool is that? You know, in so many different eras and so many different times of persecution, you saw uh, the Jesus fish that they would make in the sand. You see different symbols that people would put to denote that they were Christians, followers of Jesus. But the people of Ireland would put a little pin or they would wear green to signify uh, their belief in Jesus. And so I think it's fascinating um, that when you look at this. I think these look like hearts. It's amazing how... Patrick could love people who enslaved him, who were not good to him. I don't know where I would be in that part of that story. I mean, put yourself in that story. I mean, Mariah, could you imagine being sold into slavery? Could you imagine being taken away from your family? And then God says, go back to those very people. I can't imagine, if I put myself in that story, I don't know. But the anointing that was on Patrick's life lives on in the legacy of our hearts today when we think about um, the, the great journey that Patrick had. That's what I love about the Christian family is that we have examples in the Bible, and then we have examples of missionaries gone by. We have examples of missionaries today. I loved even sharing about Joe and Mary Benacasa, how at 50-plus years old, God called them to be missionaries. The call of God is active. The call of God is calling out to us tonight. Isn't it? (laughs) Regardless of anything any excuse. We look at the life of Patrick and all those excuses are taken off the table, aren't they? We look at Joe and Mary and the age excuse is taken off the table. We look at other people, the gender excuse is taken off the table. We look at uh, social status, that's taken up. Everything is taken off the table because in Christianity, God equips the weak. He uses the people who aren't so smart (laughs) to proclaim his gospel because he knows they'll stick with it and not get too fluffy. God uses every single person for his purpose and the call of God is still going out. Well, let's take this story of St. Patrick and let's overlay it in 1 John 4:19, we love. We love people. We could go home now. <laughs> I mean, we love people. That's the lesson. That's as big as it gets. That's as hard as it gets. That's a a lifetime achievement would be, could you love people? And if we were to put a little pin on our chest, I hope it would just say, we love. What is a Christian? We love. What's it mean to be a follower of Jesus? We love. We love people that hurt us. We love people who are nice. We love people who are nice. Even the pagans do that. Everyone does that. It's it's pretty common to love people who are nice to us. But Christians, we love. We love the marginalized. We love people regardless. We take it all off the table. We say we love. We love our enemies. That's so unique. That's so unique. We love. That's what we do. That's who we are as Christians. We love because he first loved us. The next verse here, and we're only gonna go past it for a second, we're gonna come right back to we love. (laughs) Verse 20, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or a sister, is a liar. Ouch, we can let that sit for just a minute. (laughs) We love because he first loved us and we have to love every person who's around us. All people. It says that um, if not, let's. Okay, so I wanna to go to the next part. That's what I was looking for. Uh, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And this one hung me up for a little while. What does this really mean? It means you could talk all day about having loved a God that you can't see. So I could tell you all day long, I love God. Me and God, we have a great relationship. But I can't, you can't really see that because it's just words. My relationship to God is invisible. <laughs> But my relationship with Nick, my relationship with Jared, my relationship with Mary is visible in the things that I do, the attitude that I have, the way that I treat people. The Bible says, well, they'll know us by our love for God. What? They're not going to know us by our love for God. They're going to know us by our love for other physical people. People. They're going to know us by our love for homeless people. They're going to know us by our love for people who are marginalized. They're going to know us by our love for other people. Wow. Does that shift us a little bit in what we should be doing in our, uh, every in our Wednesday, Thursday, Friday activities? (laughs) People are going to know us not because of an invisible relationship with God, but because we love other people. That's impossible. <laughs> for me I'm not good at loving people how do I get good at loving people if that if it says in verse 19 that very thing that whoever claims to love God but doesn't love other people's a liar then I'm a liar because there's times where I get frustrated there's times where I don't like people there's times where I um, can sing praises to God one minute and the next minute uh, not be nice to someone on the phone <laughs> They're not gonna know me on the phone by what I just prayed five minutes ago. No, (laughs) it's okay that I yelled at you. I was praying before. (laughs) No, no, no. They're gonna know me by how I treat them. You're gonna know my relationship with God by how I treat you. So we have this invisible relationship with God, but our visible relationship is so important. We love. We're Christians. We love. We should have this invisible badge on all the time that says we love. That should be our mantra. That should be our, our go-to is that we love. That's just what we do as a Christian. We love. The fruit of the Spirit, and in Galatians 5.22, it says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Again, we're, we're cutting everything short tonight. <laughs> Look at that. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The evidence that you have a relationship with God is love. Right here in 1 John, a little bit before this, it says God is love. This is all just really, if we we cut out all the other words, if we cut out all the other stuff and we look, we love. That's what we do. God is love. People are going to know us by our love for one another. People knew St. Patrick not because he sat in a monastery and prayed, They knew him because he was out talking to regular people, using regular things, doing things for people, praying for people, uh, talking with people, talking about the things of God, not just sitting alone in his room and praying, not saying that our relationship with God is not important. It very much is. But we tend to hammer that home way more than we hammer home the truth that we need to love people. We need to love people. How can we do this? Like I was saying, this is impossible for me sometimes. I can literally pray one minute and the next minute have hateful thoughts to someone. How can this be? How can we change this? How can we be known by our love? Spurgeon says this, we have to look back at this part of he first loved us. So if we're having trouble loving other people, we have to get in our mind how Jesus loves us And Spurgeon says this, this means he first loved us. This means that it is true that he loves us now, today. Do you believe it? Oh, if you really believe that he has loved you, sit down, turn the subject over in your mind, and say to yourself, Jesus loves me. Jesus chose me, Jesus redeemed me, Jesus called me, Jesus has pardoned me, Jesus has taken me into union with himself. If I'm having trouble loving other people, I need to sit and mull that over. Jesus loves me, Jesus called me, Jesus redeemed me, Jesus has taken me into union with himself. I need to say those things in my mind and create a pathway in my mind that's thinking that, that's my go-to, and when I wanna yell at somebody, when I wanna get mad at someone, Jesus redeemed me. Jesus loves me and I know me. And if Jesus loves me right now, today in, in this sinful life, then I can love other people. We have to abide in God because he truly is the vine and we really are the branches apart from him. We can't love other people. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we are are left to our own thoughts and our own devices. We have to be alive in the spirit and dead to our flesh. Being bored of God and abiding with him gives us the ability to love. But it's our choice if we're going to draw on the resource of God or not. Because it's available. It's there. He says, if you reach out to us, then we can begin to follow that commandment to love. We can't have the excuse that i just can't love that person that excuse is invalid because if we're abiding in him then the resources for us to love are there that's troubling (laughs) because all you need to do this is it is take that person take that situation get alone with god and say god what do i do be honest with god and say god i can't get through this situation this person this This situation's not working out for me. Remember St. Patrick, going to the very people that enslaved him and and ministering the love of Christ. And so for me to go to people who drive me crazy and ministering the love of Jesus is godly. And there's an anointing there. There's an anointing there when you do godly things. There's a joy that can come. Love, joy as the fruit of the Spirit. After we love, there's a joy that springs up in us. How did this happen? And we're online, so I can't talk about certain stories, but there's people in my life that I'm related to that I can say, how did this happen that I love you? And I genuinely do because I spent time in the presence of God in a relationship that you can't see so that the relationship that you can see is fruitful and draws people unto God. How can you love bad people? How can you love your slave master? How can you love a person who's lied to you, who has wronged you, who has done terrible things? I love this story from Mother Teresa. She was out ministering in a village one day and she came to this little hut and she was bringing them food because they literally had no food. And she goes in and she sees a handicapped child and she goes over to the handicapped child and she says, what is their name? And the mother looks and she says, his name is Teacher of Love. That's his name? Why is that his name? His name is Teacher of Love because he can offer us nothing, but we get the chance to offer him love. There are people in my life that I have named in my head, teacher of love, because I know that they can offer me nothing. (laughs) But in my head, I say, teacher of love, teach me to love. It's no one here. (laughs) Maybe some of you on there. (laughs) But there are people that God allows to be in our lives who are our teachers of love. And some of them are around daily. Some of them, maybe not me, but some of them live in our house and they are teachers of love to us. God allows us the opportunity to grow in love because someone will look and they'll say, Jill, how do you, how are you nice to that person? They offer you nothing in return. They're not supposed to. Pagans can do that. Anybody can do that. You can love people who are nice to you. You can love people who give you gifts. You can love people who compliment you or you can love people who thank you. Try loving someone who doesn't thank you, who doesn't love you, who yells at you. Try loving those people and people outside are going to take notice. How is it we love? That's who we are. That's our badge. That's our, our, our truth. God is love. And so we love and we love because he first loved us and he showed us how, because he redeemed us. He called us, he put us in union with him. He loves us right where we're at today and he'll always love us, loves us, so he shows us how. One of my favorite commentators, Guzik, says this, he who loves God must also love his brother. We can also learn how to love God by loving people. So if we are super obsessed with, I just wanna love God more, I just want to be the best Christian ever. I want to learn how to love God. You'll learn to love God by loving his people. We learn how Jesus felt when he was betrayed. We learn how Jesus felt when he walked the earth. And we can so many times, I have this inner conversation with God. God, do you see this? (laughs) Do you see how they're treating me? My father in heaven loves me. I'm his little girl and he sees it and he'll take care of it and I can bring it to him. That's such a a softer place to be. God sees it. So he goes on to say, we can learn to love God by loving people. One might say, I wanna love God more. I wanna grow in my love for him, but how can I love a God who's invisible? God would say to us, learn to love me whom you cannot see by loving my children whom you can see. We love. It's our job. It's who we are. It's what God has called us to be. He is love. He shows us love. Love is not letting people just abuse you. Love is not um, just letting someone continue to push you, push you and push you and push you and push you and push you. Love is this two sides of a coin. Love is truth. Love is the k- being... Uh, <laughs> Bold enough, you love someone enough to tell them the truth. Would it be helpful to someone who I saw sinning to just let them keep on sinning? Go ahead. It's okay. Keep drinking. It's okay. Keep drinking. Come back a month later. Keep drinking. It's not that bad. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. okay." True love is confronting sin to tell the truth in love. And so if I really cared about somebody, I would tell them something maybe is going on. If I didn't really care about them, I would just pacify them and let them keep going in their own sin. (laughs) Love sometimes is a little bit hard. (laughs) Love is having enough compassion on someone to say, hey, would you mind if I shared something I noticed about what's going on in your life? Would you mind if we, we had this conversation? It's building enough relationship with a brother or sister in Christ to have an honest conversation. I love you enough to tell you you've got broccoli in your teeth. But I also love you enough, isn't that true? Like you love someone enough to tell them something's wrong, right? But it's true all up every single level. You love somebody enough to confront them and say, man, let's work on this together to tell somebody in love the truth. And God always equips us and trains us for these moments. He equips us and trains us as we're walking through difficult moments. We get to know God because we have to listen to his voice to administer love to people. Soft love, hard love and the fact of confronting sin or confronting things that are hard. Love means that you're in it for someone else. Right? We're not in it for ourselves. We are not in it to put a badge on that says, I am a Christian. No, my badge is in it for somebody else. When I go to the grocery store, I need to train my mind to think I'm not here just to get food for my family. I'm here to administer the love of Christ. When I answer the phone, I'm not here just to answer questions for whoever might be calling. I'm here to administer the love of Christ. When I am walking down the road and someone says hi to me, I'm not there just to get somewhere as fast as I can go, but to administer the love of Christ. When you're in it for somebody else you're on the lookout for someone else. What are they feeling? What are they going through? The compassion would say what's going on in their lives to make them act that way. What's going on? What's hurting them? How can I help them? And when you're in it for somebody else you're open to inconvenience. This is something Jesus kept showing us. Let the little children come. Stop and talk to the woman at the well. He went out of his way to to pray over people and meet with people. And what the world would say was an inconvenience was a moment he was made for. And I would say the same is true about your life and my life. There are so many times I think, what an interruption to my day. And I am a planner in this phase of my life. And I have a thing that's structured. And this is what I'm doing now. And if you call, it doesn't fit. And the Lord's just teaching me, come on (laughs) Inconveniences are what makes this life uh, go round. Inconveniences are loving other people. And we have to remember that Jesus is literally with us. And this may seem a little strange, but something I started doing is lighting a candle um, when I'm home in my office, when I'm here at church. Because I want to be reminded visually that the light of the world is right there there jesus is literally here we forget that sometimes we get into our little situation or we're on our computer or we're talking jesus is here and so that's my visual reminder that i need because i i will literally get sidetracked but jesus is literally with you everywhere you are and so when you're in a moment that's impossible jesus is right here I know it sounds elementary or it sounds childlike, but that's the faith we have to have. It's the truth that we know. We know and rely on the love of God and I know and I rely on the fact that Jesus is standing next to me in every moment in every confrontation in every kindness. Jesus is in the room. He's in he's in every room of our home. He's in every uh, dinner table we sit at. He's in every meeting that we're in. We're not sitting there just with people. We're sitting there with God. Do you see Jesus here with you? Do you see Jesus in every moment? And then we turn our eyes on Jesus as we do the good thing. There, I wish this wasn't recorded. This is a little bit harder just knowing anybody's scrolling Facebook right now watching. But there's been moments where, where I've been places and I just look and I'm like, if somebody had a camera right now and they saw the crazy person I was hanging out with right now, sometimes I'm just like, God, look. <laughs> can you believe that I'm hanging out with this person they're so bad it's great and that's what Jesus loves that we would show love by literally being with these people because that's what he did right he was with those people and I just wish I had snapshots of some of it because I'm like this is this is rich And this is what God wants, this great adventure of a life where we can really reach in and physically, literally be somebody who shows love. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the first one listed. But in order to do it, we have to abide in him. And then it's a domino effect. We get used to it. It's like, oh, man, that was, that was quite a ride, loving that person. And it gets exciting, and it goes on and on and on and becomes a, a part of your life that, wow, this loving people stretches us and grows us and matures us and brings us to a different place that we didn't know was possible. We need to be looking out for not our own interests, but the interests of others. And it is possible to love. And John, if you want to make your way back up, we love. That's who we are. That's our little pin on our shirt. We love. That's who we are. That's who we are at Kirkland Life Church. That's who we are as individuals. That should be our mantra. We love. Because in 1 John 4, it says, uh, we're going to start at verse 13. I'm just going to read through here as John comes. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be our the savior of the world if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God God lives in them and they in God and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us God is love whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they haven't seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Wow. We love. It's who we are, it's what we do, and it's possible with Jesus. And so uh, in, in this closing part, what I want to encourage you to do, first of all, before we get there, there's uh, these shamrocks in the lobby as you go out. So feel free to take one of these, put it on your mirror, put it somewhere. When you see this, remind yourself that Patrick went back to his slave masters. And so I could say hi to someone I don't like. <laughs> I mean, I can. I can. If Patrick, who was flesh and blood like me, can, so can I. In these next few moments, what I want to do is to think about how can we love better? Are there people who are teachers of love? Can we present that as an offering to Jesus? God, here's my worship. I'm going to love this person you've put in my life. Here's my act of worship, God. I'm going to love people. And so I just want you to begin to think and begin to talk to God about, is it possible, God, could you show me ways? Could you help me to love? Think about specific people that you could love better. And I think the world will take notice of your love for other people. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are love and you show us love God in your actions years ago but in your actions today God I thank you that you show me love today by forgiving my sins today God we all fall short of the glory of God and yet you forgive our sins and you love us you redeem us you justify us you draw us close you say come close even though you're the God of the universe, even though you're the king of glory, you say, come close. God, I pray that we would do that to people around us. Those people that aren't perfect, God, we would say, come close. Help us to love like you have loved us. God, forgive us for for pompous attitudes. God, forgive us for pride that would say that we're better than anyone. Remind us, God, in difficult moments to love. Because you are love and you've shown us how. Let that fruit of the spirit well up inside of us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it doesn't come back void, but it is strong. And Lord, I pray that it would be strong in our lives. Lord, we thank you for this time together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's respond in worship together.